We're going to be continuing on in our sermon series through the doctrines of the Salvation Army, and today we are on the doctrine of atonement. Uh, and so those, for those of you that don't have it memorized, this is what our doctrine says. We believe that repentance towards God, faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, and regeneration by the Holy Spirit are necessary to salvation. And so we talked a little bit a few weeks ago about the Trinity and how sometimes they're assigned different roles throughout the process, uh, even though they are the same God. And so this particular doctrine is Trinitarian in nature with each point associated with a member of the Trinity. Repentance is attributed to God, faith is in our Lord Jesus Christ, and the regeneration is attributed to the Holy Spirit. So again, if you're an A-type personality and you like to write down in that little note section in the back of the bulletin, you can write down repentance, faith, and regeneration. And those are the points that we're going to, to touch upon today. And so the first point, repentance towards God. And it's really interesting that that first point is repentance towards God. A few weeks ago, we talked about uh, sin and its pervasiveness in our lives. And I used this verse to uh, uh, illustrate that every time that you sin, first and foremost, that sin is against God. And it's from uh, the king of Israel, David, who wrote this, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. What David says here, what Holy Scripture tells us is that when we sin, first and foremost, we sin against God and then we sin against others. And so when we look at repentance towards God, it is because it's against him that we primarily sin and rebel against uh, his commands for our lives. Now, repentance can be defined as a change of attitude and action uh, from something towards obedience to God. So uh, if you imagine that your life, your attitude, your actions is walking in one direction and you are walking away from God, repentance is turning around and then starting to walk towards God. So that's kind of, when we talk about repentance, there's a, a few definitions. Um, there's a couple of different, I found in the Hebrew and Greek languages, there's some different emphasis uh, on the different words. And so uh, the word repentance in Hebrew is not actually found as we know it in Scripture. Uh, it is more often expressed uh, by different actions, which I thought was interesting. Now, I want you to look at some of the actions. I'm going to have them up on the screen. And uh, uh, let me know if some of these sort of jump out in your mind as repentance. And so uh, a public display of mourning over sin, such as weeping. Can you imagine someone going and, and, and weeping in public over their sin? Uh, tearing of garments and or hair. Okay, some of us, it's going to be difficult to get a handful. I'm not going to lie. Um, some of you are safe. You can tear your garments instead, Mr. Bart. Uh, wearing sackcloth. Now, ha have, you ever, have you ever had one of those uh, potato sack races where you pull the, the potato sack up and you have to hop and jump? Is that, okay, we, we did that in Australia a lot. Didn't know if that was an Australian thing. But you know that sack that you get into, how itchy and horrible it is? Can you imagine wearing that to Walmart? Like that's, that's what you're wearing. You put it over your head. You cut a hole for your arms and for your head, and that's what you wear out into public so that everyone knows that you're repenting for something. It is itchy. Ooh. Uh, other things, making restitution for wrongs committed, and that is uh, usually a, a financial 
restitution. That is saying up, going up to someone and saying, hey, I did you wrong. I stole something from you, so I'm going to replace it. I did something to you. Uh, and then uh, abasing oneself before the wrong party. When you read through the book of Esther, you see people uh, throwing themselves down when they're caught in their sin for mercy. They throw themselves down in front of the king or in front of the queen Esther and they beg for mercy and they abase themselves. They sort of humble themselves and, and repent in that particular way. The word that most closely approximates repent in the Hebrew Old Testament uh, is translated into English as return, which basically means to turn around and go in the opposite direction. So if you were sinning, we know that sinning against God is the nature of humans and that repentance is turning around and walking in the opposite direction. Now, repentance in Greek. I know, you're all like, when you woke up this morning, you know what I really want? So I want a lesson in, 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 in Hebrew and Greek that really does just, it makes my, my socks curl up. It is fantastic. That's what I want. I'm smart. The word for repentance in Greek derives from a verb which means to radically change one's thinking. So where the, the reason why I think this is interesting is that in Hebrew, it means a physical action. You're doing something. And so your body language is changing. You are turning and walking in the opposite direction. You are putting on sackcloth. You are putting on ashes. You are tearing your garments. You're doing a physical thing. But in Greek, repentance is more of a mindset. So I believe that the reason that these two words are different in Scripture is to indicate to us that we need both. It's not just good enough that you uh, physically atone for your actions, that you physically fall in, in front of someone and beg for forgiveness. Your mindset also needs to change. It's not just one or the other. And if your mindset changes but there's no outward change to your actions, it doesn't work. If you're not turning and walking in the opposite direction, your mind can change all you want but it is irrelevant. And so here together we see these two sort of marry together. Repentance refers to an event in an individual uh, which attains a divinely provided new understanding of their behavior. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and convicts you and you get that little person on the shoulder that says, man, you should not be doing this. Am I the only one that gets that person? Because some of you are really quiet and I, I've told you my feelings on a quiet congregation means I'm going to repeat the point over and over and over again until someone agrees with me. Do you ever get that little voice of the Holy Spirit which sits on your shoulder? Well, he doesn't sit on your shoulder. But he says to you, man, you shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. And so, so the word repentance in the Greek language is really trying to articulate that, uh, that feeling, that little thing in the back of your mind that says, don't do this, it's wrong. But the two needs to be combined together. So we have repentance towards God. But we believe that we also need faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And this goes back again to a couple of weeks. You need to decide who Jesus is for you. We believe in the Salvation Army that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully human, that he came from heaven to die for our sins and that belief in him is the only way to be reconciled with the Father and gain eternal life. That's what we believe in the Salvation Army. That's what we preach from the pulpit. That's what our songs are about. Those are what our hymns in the Red Songbook are about. That's what we believe. 
But man, if you turn on even some Christian radio stations and Christian TV channels, you'll hear some hippie, wishy-washy rubbish about it doesn't matter what you believe, it doesn't matter what you think about Jesus, as long as you're a good person, you'll be fine. It's the the Oprah and Dr. Phil mentality that creeps into our society and it is uh, pervasive spirituality that tells you as long as you're just heading in the right direction, your actions aren't hurting anyone, you'll be a good person, everything will work out in the wash. You know, it's really interesting, that expression, everything will work out in the wash. Uh, I was doing a a load of laundry. I know some of you are going to be like, Captain Jonathan, you do the laundry? I do. I will not fold because that is from Satan. (laughs) I will sort the way my wife wants it sort. I will do the loads individually, but folding, that really gets me. But I was doing a load of laundry. I was doing a load of whites. And I keep a pen in my top pocket of my uniform shirt. And you know what happened? That pen burst while it was in the wash, and it got on everything. I have tried. Someone said, get hairspray and spray on it. Someone said, just use Clorox and you'll be fine. Someone said, bleach and you'll be fine. And I washed those clothes five, six different times. A couple of them were saved. My uniform shirt that I love. Massive black stain right here. In the same way, your life has a massive black stain on it, sin. Without the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in your life, that stain is going to stay there. No matter how many times you try and put yourself through the wash, it's not going to help. You need to decide who Jesus is because Scripture over and over and over again says clearly there is no way to God without Jesus Christ. And if you believe that Jesus Christ is a good man or maybe a prophet or a powerful motivational speaker or whatever, if you don't believe that he is the savior of the world, then you have got a stain on your beautiful white crisp uniform shirt that's not going anywhere without the power of the Holy Spirit. There are not multiple ways to be saved. Jesus himself said that I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And a lot of people will quote that and say, look how narrow-minded Christianity is. You have to do this certain thing. It's so restrictive. But what's brilliant about that particular passage is that Jesus says, you all can come to the Father. It doesn't matter how you were born. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter the color of your skin or the language that you talk. If you know Jesus, you can come to the Father. It's one of the most inclusive statements in all of religious activity. Other religions say you need to pray five times a day. You need to go on pilgrimages. You need to give money to the poor. And even then, you might not even get into heaven. It's up to God really to decide whether or not he wants you there. But what Jesus said is if you believe in me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you believe in me, you will see the Father. There are not multiple ways to be saved. We believe that repentance towards God, faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit are necessary to salvation. 
Scripture says in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, that he, being Jesus, saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. What the Bible tells us is it is not your actions, it is not your good works that enables your salvation. Uh, in fact, the, the prophet Isaiah says that your good works are like filthy rags to God without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so you can try to be a good person, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are actually an affront to God. And that is harsh words, I know. It is scriptural. And in fact, interestingly, there's the story found in, in John chapter 3. There's a guy called uh, Nicodemus who comes to Jesus. We might know the story. He says, uh, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This rightly confused Nicodemus because he didn't know about the regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So Nicodemus replied and said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And side note for all you mothers there, ouch, just saying, mental picture Nicodemus, not very fun. And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We believe that regeneration by the Holy Spirit is necessary to salvation. If your heart doesn't change, have you? I, want, I really want you to confront yourself with that question. When you get saved, if, and I'm not talking about instant sanctification. I'm not talking about those really annoying people who as soon as they're saved and the Holy Spirit is in their life, they are super Jesus-y, they never sin, they never lose their temper, and they are just completely holy people. They annoy me because that wasn't my experience. I got saved and I found that I was still struggling with sin. My temper, my arrogance, my fill-in-the-blank for whatever it is for you. I was still struggling with it, and every day I would pray, Lord, get rid of this for me. But he didn't get rid of it. Instead, what he did is he built me through it. And so there are these really annoying people who they're instantly sanctified, so we're not talking about them. But for the regular person, if your heart hasn't changed, if your actions haven't changed, have you? It's, an, it's all you can say to, to, to say to someone, I'm a Christian and I believe in Jesus, but if you're still doing the, the behaviors that Scripture outlines as sinful, have you really changed? Or, or have you just got something in your head that doesn't connect with your heart? The book of Ephesians says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Ephesians says that you and I, apart from the Holy Spirit, are dead in our trespasses, that in our sins we have no spiritual life. And when we go back to the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, when God said, if you eat of this tr uh, the tree, if you disobey me, knowingly and willingly disobey me, you are going to die. What God was talking about was the spiritual death that has been inherited through every single person.
person who is alive through Adam, spiritual death. And Ephesians says that you are dead in your trespasses if you haven't been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. We believe that repentance towards God, faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, and regeneration by the Holy Spirit are necessary to salvation. I'm going to take a moment to pray. And as we pray, you could be in any one of these states. You could be non-repentant at the moment, and this could be your moment of repentance. You might not have true and full faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, and this could be your moment to come to that full faith in Jesus Christ. Or you might not yet be regenerated through the power of the Holy Spirit, and this could be your moment to ask for the renewing regeneration of the Holy Spirit to come into your heart and into your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you today for the wonderful work of the cross. Lord, we thank you that we can come in repentance towards your throne and repent of the sins that are in our lives. I pray, Lord God, if there is anyone here who has not yet repented, that your Holy Spirit prompt them into repentance. Lord, we acknowledge that faith in Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. For those that have not yet acknowledged that, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit prod them into acknowledging and knowing that Christ Jesus came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and died the death that we should rightfully die as sinners and rebellers against your throne, and that we can come into the saving grace and knowledge of your Lord Jesus. Lord, for those whose hearts and minds have not yet been changed by the renewal and regeneration of the Holy Spirit, I pray that your Holy Spirit comes powerfully into our lives and regenerates and renews our mind. Lord, we love you, and we pray these things in your Son's precious name, in the name of Jesus. Amen.